This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine, only on the BetQL Network. Hello and welcome into Tapped Out here on the BetQL Network. Maybe you got us on YouTube on the Odyssey app with Brendan Tobin and Jake Noaker. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, we're going to welcome on New York Post betting analyst Eric Richter to talk a little bit of fighting with us. And speaking of fighting, Brendan and I will fight each other at some point during the program. But let's start with UFC Austin. Last Saturday night, I was wrong. I thought Benil Daryush would end up knocking out Armand Sarukian. Uh, that didn't happen. Armand Sarukian knocked out Benil Daryush, and it didn't take him too long. No, it didn't, man. I mean, that was a sick knockout. Uh, Armand, first of all, I, like when it happened, it happened so fast. I thought he got him with the knee. Like, it was just, I was like, whoa. Me too. But I didn't realize that he was showing the knee and then hit him with that 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 piston right hand down the pipe uh, to take out Benil. Awesome performance by him, um, you know, moving right into the top five. And, you know, like that's it, it's it's tough how fragile the sport could be because Benny was kind of like the uh, the darling contender. He was right there on the outside. Maybe he was going to do something. And instead, uh, Sarukian takes that spot. And, uh, you know, now is, is hopeful that maybe he'll get a, another crack at Islam like he did uh, a few years back. Darius joined us just three months ago, fighting essentially to see if he could fight for the belt next. That didn't go well for him. Then he gets knocked out in round one. Let's take his side of this story first. So Benil Darius, his championship aspirations done after what happened? Uh, I mean, like, I don't think I, I don't ever like saying that they're done because I do think it, it, it only takes, you know, one good performance to put somebody like that back into it. You know, he has a performance like that. And he dropped to seventh in the ranking. So, yeah, he's going to need a, a, a big time win. I just, the thing that's going to be tough, I think, for Benil is what is the guy who's ranked in the top five that he would fight that would take his fight and, you know, would put him back in there? Because he's lost to Oliveira. He's lost to Armand. Um, Dustin has reportedly turned him down a couple of times. I can't Watch see JG really having a reason, uh, having a, a reason for it. So, you know, it, it, I think that's the tough thing for him is who is the fighter that's going to get him back in the running again? Let's talk about the winner, Armand Sarukian. Do you think if he fought Islam, he could beat him? I think it's a possibility. We've seen uh, a trend now of a guy gets a crack at somebody. They don't have that success. You give him a, a few years to cook. And, and get a little bit more mature. You know, he was very young, 22, 23 years old. And, man, that's that's a baby in mixed martial arts. There's not a lot of John Joneses out there who get to the top. Typically, we're seeing champions at earliest are getting there like 20. Islam's 29. a lot better since then, too. I mean, Islam's a lot. He's a completely different yeah. fighter than he was. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I think that this is one of those where, you know, you look at a guy like, look at Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards fought like a guy like Kamaru Usman, had to, take the long road to get back. And then, you know, you get in there, you get in the cage and you throw uh one head kick or, or something pops out there. And it's all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden your life has changed. You know, we, we see this, you see, uh, you know, Dustin Poirier losing to Conor McGregor, getting absolutely obliterated and then beat him twice. I, I do think that when some time passes and you learn more and you have the, uh, you have the knowledge of that opponent and, and then you carry that with you and you know, what your weaknesses were. That was a good fight. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a wash. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a possibility that he could get him the next time around having that, that, uh, that knowledge of taking him on before. Islam's become the prom queen, right? Like he's got a lot of suitors right now. There's a, there's a lot Certainly. of fights. There's a lot of guys that want Islam and there's a lot of fights that make sense for Islam. But that's a, uh, speaking of, but, go ahead. Just, just to say, Sean, like that's, it's interesting because like, we're not too far removed from Islam having a lot of questions around him because Volkanovsky almost beat him. 
And then he head kicks Volkanovsky, and it's like, well, now he could have the Connor fight, and now he could have Gaethje, and now he could have a Sarukian rematch. It's like, for Benil, I don't, I know it seems crazy and far right now because those were two bad losses that he's had, but the sport can flip you. You know, the the you know, you can go from Patty Pimblet, you can go from the most popular thing in the sport to everybody hates your guts. You know, like it doesn't take that much because these guys don't get to fight that much. So we base so much of one performance and and kind of take to where it goes. So, you know, I I, I think it's definitely possible for uh, you know, for for Benil to get back into that title fight. He just needs a significant win. I just don't know who's going to give him that fight. Oliveira, of course, wants to run back with Islam. Also, a fight that was supposed to happen. We're going to see the next pay per view. You mentioned Patty Pimblet, not for nothing. Do we think he gets booed? Because Patty Pimblet, this time a year ago. I would say was if he was a stock, he's the one like maybe in the top five fighters in the whole UFC, you wanted your money invested. His hair was pointing straight up. He was a great fighter. Everybody loved him. He took the microphone. He was British. And now it's like, I don't know. It's interesting because he goes into this. I don't know who, you know, I think probably he's going to get cheered because it'll be interesting to see how he handles the media week. You know, if he wants to entice the fans a little bit more, we'll obviously get a little bit of hit taste of it at the weigh-in and how he handles that because he has kind of been the toast of the town for everybody. But also he's taking on Tony, and I and I feel That's like there's it. a belovedness to Tony, you know? Like, who's, who's as an MMA fan, who's not going to be rooting for Tony Ferguson to pull off the unlikely, which is getting a win against this uh, this – young up-and-coming star um so i think that's the thing that he probably has going against him in this one i i think he's gotten probably a little bit too much heat for the jared gordon fight i get it it didn't go he maybe got uh, uh the benefit of the doubt it's not the first time it's happened in the sports history it's a hard sport um but when you you know when you get that that you know so many people are are hanging on your every word you know you're going to deal with the fallout if you didn't please everybody in the cage Tony Ferguson, by the way, in that fight is a plus 200 underdog. You can get Patty Pimblett at favorite money at BetMGM at minus 250. We're talking about a round one knockout of Sarukian over Dariush. There was another one last Saturday night, Jalen Turner over Bobby Green. Oof. Do you have a problem with the stoppage? Not as much as everybody else did. I didn't feel like this was one of those that was like, uh, you know, Super, I know what the referee was probably trying to. I don't think he realized when Bobby went down how out he was, but I do think that you know, once he kind of got down to the ground and instinctually was turned over, you know, he was some of those were hitting his hands. So I didn't think it was like one of the worst stoppages I've ever seen. It was definitely too long, but um, I don't think the guy has to have his uh credentials revoked from like the the uh the state commission or anything like that from Texas. No, it wasn't that bad, although certain fighters I would give the benefit of the doubt, and Bobby Green is one of those guys where he gets to mm -hmm. fight until I'm sure that he is knocked out. So I, I, I tend, I'm I somewhere between you and Jake. Jake says it was an atrocious stoppage. You say it's not a big deal. Bad stoppage, not not. It was horrible. a bad stop. Like It was a bad stoppage. Atrocious. Again, it's not one of the worst stoppages I've ever seen. They, they were very pissed on the broadcast about it because they said, oh, he was out immediately. Um but like, man, it was, uh, I, I think that's probably, I, th I think it's probably to your case. I think refs do get influenced by who they're in there with. I think Bobby's a dog. So they're trying to go in there and, and give him every chance that he's got. Um, and mind you, this was also a late opponent change. And, but Jalen Turner was a monster. He needed something like that for sure. I think to, uh, to, to get his career, um, really put a stamp on some things to get people back noticing him again. So, Weight issue is not an issue. He talked that it was, you know, he was a little concerned about that going into the week. And uh, you can see based on the frame, based on the talent that's there, man, if the guy puts it all together, he's going to be a scary, scary uh, contender. Speaking of frame and weight, Davison Figueredo fighting up a weight class, unanimous decision over Rob Font. How did you think Figgy looked up, up a class? I thought he looked pretty good. I thought that he looked... Uh, you know, like he's been wanting to be in that weight class. So I think that uh, it was a it was a nice arrival for him, you know, to get a win over a guy like Rob Font. Um, speaks At least well. it was new yeah, blood. Yeah, new blood, new years, weight class. Five years since he's fought anybody not named Brandon Moreno. Right. And you know that he's probably been dying to, to get up there, too. So, look, you beat a guy like Rob Font. You, uh, 
you know, you're going to, it's a, look, it's a shark tank of a division. Good luck with everybody that's, uh, that's in there and, and how many, he's going to have a lot of fun options, but they're none of them, but none of them are easy. Sean Brady over Kelvin Gastelum around three sub. Did you win any money on that? I had Sean Brady going into that. I didn't have him by sub, but I did go with uh, Sean. Like you told you, I'm not, uh, I was a little, I, I'm not going to trust Kelvin Gastelum and putting my money on him. Uh, too much of a wild card with Sean. Um, look, that's another one. I, I think everybody looked at Sean Brady. They're like, oh, this guy's the truth. He's going to be a contender. He's going to be there in the title picture. One bad fight against Bilal Muhammad, who might be champion in a year's time, and we're going to write the kid off. This kid's an absolute stud. Everybody's known he's going to be a stud. And I like his call out of Ian Gary. I like that fight. I like to, you know, we'll see what Ian ends up doing in the upcoming pay-per-view. Um, I don't feel like Ian Gary would want that fight because that feels like a little bit of a stylistic issue. But uh, good on Sean Brady for the call out because I think that that's a, that's a fun one. That pay-per-view you're talking about is just like a week and a half, less than two weeks away. Ian Gary, Vicente Luque. We talked about Patty Pimblett versus Tony Ferguson. Shavkat Rachmanov versus Wonderboy Thompson. Pantoja versus Brandon Royball. And then, of course, the main event for the belt, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Clay Guida stepped in the octagon for the 37th time on Saturday night. He lost to Joaquin Silva, but Misha Tate came out a winner over Julia Avila. Did you win Misha Tate money on Saturday night? I did not. I did not. Misha Tate uh, cost me some dough on that one, which uh, shame on me for betting against Cupcake. I deserve all ridicule and everything that comes with it. Well, we learned our lesson together, and we're a little bit um, more poor, less rich, not that we ever were. Coming up next. Song Yudong versus Chris Gutierrez at UFC 83. And as I mentioned, UFC 296 is right around the corner. And we'll give you our best bets right here on Tapped Out. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Welcome back into Tapped Out. We appreciate you out. We got Brendan Tobin here for the good looks. We got me, the sports machine here for the voice. But now we need a real sports betting analyst. So we go out to the New York Post, Eric Richter. Good the show. Welcome back, my guy. We're not too far away from in the first view of 2023, we got Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. The closer it gets, the more I think Colby's going to win the fight and take the belt. What say you? Oh, I'm betting Colby. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, you know, dog odds, really good takedowns. Um, we saw Leon kind of, you know, with that little Hail Mary, uh, you know, left high kick, um, a little bit of a Hail Mary, and, and, you know, he landed it. And, you know, Kamaru. Didn't look great against Hamza. I mean, obviously Hamza's Hamza, and he did survive. So shout out to him for surviving. And you know, you got a little split decision there. Uh, definitely taking Colby there. I'm going to take Colby by decision. Um, I don't really see any value on like sub or knockout or anything like that. 
Um, I think it, you know, as we get closer, I think that Le- I think that Leon's grappling is a little underrated, but I just think Colby's pace is so elite. It's so good that, you know, I, I think it's gonna be a close decision. No matter what, I'm gonna have fight goes the distance as a bet. Um, but if if you ask me to pick a side, I, I would I would pick a prop on it. I'd do Colby by decision. I'll have fight go the distance. I'll be hitting overs on that all day long. High volume war, lots of takedowns, lots of defense. I think it's gonna be a crazy fight. Eric, do you feel like when we get to fight week, Colby gets on the mic, gets to the press conference, is this one of those where you would hop on him even this week because there's a chance that he could be the favorite by the time this thing clicks? Because they are, it is pretty close odds right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Colby actually opened as a favorite. That's what's, that's the crazy thing. He opened minus 190. Um, you know, now he's, you know, he's plus 110. Um, I, yeah, I think that Colby's going to be the uh, the hero of the story of the fight. I think he's going to be the hero. I think he's going to be the guy. He's back 18 months out, you know, sat a long time. The Masvidal fight happened. He got his jaw broken. Um, I think that Colby's going to come back and he's going to walk out with Trump to a standing ovation. That's my expectation for this fight. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely, I, I don't know if he'll be a favorite. Uh, we'll go back to favorite status uh, just to answer your question. I think that plus 110 is probably about where he'll end. I, my projected closing line will be like plus 130. I think that's that's about right. I got a favorite for you and a big one. Shavkat Rachmanov, sweet hat, great fighter versus yep. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, our guy, friend of the show. Four okay. to one? Look, yeah. I don't think Wonderboy's going to win, Eric, but plus 400 is kind of tempting to bet on. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's funny, man, is the people who got that opening line. Oh man, they hit it, and they hit it. They hit it good. Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov was minus two fifty, I believe, when he opened. Mm. I saw a couple things floating out there. Minus two fifty when he opened, all the way back down, uh, back up. Excuse me. Uh, he, you know, minus five hundred. His grappling is is so elite, and it's something that isn't really talked about enough. You know, that's where I just see this fight being a disaster for. For Thompson, I just think he's going to get smashed. I think he could take a lot of damage in this fight, and no way I'm beating. I'm betting your boy. I'm sorry. Um, that yeah. I, you know, I'm, you know, to be honest though, I've been fading him for a long time. I don't like one-dimensional fighters. Um, you know, he doesn't grapple at all, and you know, he's even said that. Um, I don't like one-dimensional fighters so unless unless it's a pure strike striking battle. You'll n- almost never see me bet Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So probably a pass for me at the at the rate. But you know, I'd be interested in submission props when they come out. They're not out yet, but I'd be interested if uh, if and when. I'm curious for this, Eric. Do you feel like Rachmanov does what we think he's supposed to do, and he is a monster? What he did to Jeff Neal last night was just mean because he had that fight in the bag and then just still went for the last minute submission on him just to keep his finish uh, rate perfect. Do you feel like a win over Wonderboy does anything for him as far as popularity is concerned, buzz is concerned? Because I do feel like for as good as he is, he is still under the radar. I feel like he's probably like still one of the lesser talked about fighters of this card even. And yet he might be the most talented guy on the pay-per-view next week. And I don't know if beating up Wonderboy does anything for him. You know, it's, it's almost – it's not the same thing because Wonder Boy's way better than Nate Diaz is. But I was going to say, it's almost like the same thing that Hamzat when he fought – when he was supposed to fight Nate. Yes. Um, you know, it, it feels like the same thing where it's just like, what is this really going to do for you? You know, Wonder Boy's – I just see this as a, as a takedown and ground and pound and eventually a sub in like the first or second round. I don't see this as like – Unless he's going to sit, stand, and bang with Wonder Boy, then it does something. And it's like, whoa, this guy gets into wars. It really depends on how the fight fight plays out. But if he goes path of least resistance, which is the whole purpose of MMA, is you're supposed to take your advantages and and use them to the highest of your ability. If Rachmaninoff wants to take his advantages and use them, he should be, you know, take down, ground and pound, up against the cage. Wonder Boy's drowning, bring him to deep waters, and then drown him, submit him. Um, that's the way that Rachmanov should play this. If he wants to get into a striking stand-up war with Wonder Boy, sure, he could be uh, you know, he could be like one of those guys. It, it depends on what kind of fighter he wants to be, you know. Like Justin Gaethje stopped trying to win titles, really. I mean, he almost won a, a title a couple times, but really, he stopped trying to win titles when he first got into the UFC. His whole goal was just to be, you know, pretty much the BMF, you know, win on bonuses and make money on bonuses. You know, some people want the pay-per-view. Um, percentage points with the title, and then some people want the bonuses. It really depends on what kind of fighter you want to be, because there's two different lo- there's two different paths for fighters. You're either going to be the most entertaining, or you're going to be the best. Those are your, th- that those should be your two goals. If if I was a manager, that's that's what I would be recommending to fighters. 
chopping it up with Eric Richter of the New York Post here on the BetQL network. It's funny you talk about those are the the, the, the attributes that a fire usually has, one or the other, and then every now and again you get a guy like Tony Ferguson, who did a whole bunch of winning, who probably should have been, you know, undisputed champion for a while at some point in his career. Mm-hmm. And then he also was wildly entertaining. I'm not saying he's any of those things, Eric, anymore. What I am saying is his fight versus Patty Pimblett, I'm a little bit surprised he's not a bigger underdog. Right now at BetMGM, you can basically get two to one if you think Tony Ferguson can win the fight. Can he win the fight? Yeah. Uh, not, at, not at those odds. Uh, if you got him at plus 300 when he opened, sure, that's a fine bet. You know, I'll take that. Um, you know, Patty was minus 400. Patty, just no one really likes Patty. You know, that's just really what it comes down to. You know, no one likes him at this point. Uh, fans have kind of turned on him. David Goggins is back in Tony, and he got everybody all fired up. You know, a clip with, you know, millions, and I mean millions of views on Instagram. Uh, yeah. Um, that, that clip got millions of views of, you know, Tony throwing up. He's the only one to ever get through David Goggins this hell week. All respect to him. He's got crazy cardio. I don't know what that does for him as a fighter. He's lost, what, six in a row? Um, you know, I did an interview with Mike Bisping, uh, prior to the, uh, MSG card in November. And he talked about this, um, you know, in the, when it comes down to the nuts and bolts, like, yeah, like he will, he'll, he'll push you real far to the brink of, uh, exhaustion. But like what he knows about fighting, I don't really know. Like, you know, he had John, he helped John Jones get into shape, but like he can help you get into shape, but Tony's problem was never getting in shape. It was, you know, getting hit on strikes and getting lit up. And he also got submitted by Bobby Green. So, and Bobby Green's not a submission guy. Like, that's a problem. So, for for me, minus 250's value on Patty. He's a good parlay piece. Like, there's no way that I would bet Tony at plus 200. Like, give me Patty at minus 250 for sure. This is a, you know, tailor-made fight for him anyway. Um, you know, minus 400, forget it. But minus 250, that's fine, man. Take that all day. Uh, what have you made about uh, all the Ian Machado Gary drama that's been going on in the uh, MMA universe? Everybody's kind of hopping on the fact that he's, you know, bounced from gym to gym. Now you have the stuff with, you know, people making fun of his relationship with his wife. And then also he's taken on a former teammate in Vicente Luque. A lot of drama for a guy who is on, you know, probably the cusp of stardom with the UFC. And um it's a lot of pressure i think to bring in there do you do you worry about any of that stuff going into this matchup uh to to finish out the year of the pay-per-view not yet uh i'm not worried yet but give it like uh give it like six months to a year let like ask me in six months to a year i think he'll win this next fight um and then you know from there i mean you know he'd be 14 to know at that point he'd be in really good shape um, you know, I, I just don't, I'm not a big Luke fan at this point in his career. I think he's, you know, probably going to get KO'd here by Ian Gary. I think Ian Gary striking is super elite. Um, I think he's kind of like a weight bully at that division, at that division as well. Um, so I think that that helps a lot, a lot more power, et cetera. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm, my worried about Ian Gary, not yet. Uh, I, you know, at some point that's definitely within the realm of outcomes. Um, you know, there is there is potential here for issues like off the off the outside the mats and, and stuff like that. Um, just not right now, I'd say. Um, you know, I you know, same thing with Sean O'Malley, right? Like I wrote about the the Sean O'Malley um, stuff about his wife and you know how he's saying that he um, would cheat on his wife and he, he like he's just like I don't care because I make all the money. And yeah, you know, I was the first one with that story at the New York Post. New York Post broke that. Um, you know, and that one went pretty, pretty wild, but you know, for, for, for me, I don't really see that as a problem for Sean. It's a distraction a little bit, but as long as you're training and you're, you're actually getting good rounds in, I, I think Ian Gary should probably go with Connor at SBG Ireland anyway. So, you know, forget, you know, Killcliffe or wherever he is in the, in a BT's town in Miami, you know, um, not worried about it. You know, I, I just say just as long as he's getting the rounds in for now, give it six months and we'll see where we're at. That's Dwayne yeah, Wade's town, I mean, by the way. B- BT just lives there. That's Dwayne Wade's town. That's right. It's always Wade County. Although technically, Killcliffe is in Broward. That's uh, that's in Deerfield Beach. Oh, thank you. But um, the thing I found odd about it, though, like to see so many teammates kind of come out and hose him down, like Brendan Allen after his win was saying, like nobody likes this guy. Nicest guys like Gilbert Burns don't like have who don't really take shots at anybody. So I do wonder, like, when we get to media week and we do get to the press conference and all that, like, is that something that could take the the eye off the ball on him a little bit? But I'm with you. Like, this still, even all that being said, like, he should be good enough to beat Luke. Yeah, I mean, are we are we all firing on Ian Gary, Patty Pimblett, Parlay? Probably. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. But 
it just seems like that that's uh probably gonna be what minus one ten all day. Eric Richter, the New York Post, for a couple more minutes here on Tapped Out. You mentioned in passing there Conor McGregor. I think I've got my crystal ball in front of me. Here's what I see. I think they're just kind of waiting, biding their time. They need a main event at UFC 300. There's not like an obvious one like there was at 200 or 100. Connor's still there. He'll be healthy at that point. Let's say I'm right. What do you think's the most likely opponent? I mean, it has to be Chandler. I don't know how it couldn't be. Um, if you don't do Chandler, I mean, you might as well just go with a Hail Mary and see if you can get Islam to fight him. Like, at that point, like, it just doesn't even matter. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know if, if you're not going to have Chandler fight him, don't feed him to Gaethje, right? Like, Gaethje will kick his leg off. He'll kick his leg off. He's already got leg problems. You can't give him Gaethje. I mean, unless you want to go total tune-up fight and go Tony Ferguson, um, it, you know, it has to be. Chandler. It's one of these... It's one of these things where I almost feel like the UFC, you know, because that always used to be a big thing. Like, oh, Connor gave you this fight, red panty night. And because he's lost so many times in a row, it almost feels like the UFC is trying to let Chandler hang in the wind so Connor can almost have that as fuel for fight week to like build it up. Like, oh, you're lucky that I could have gone with anybody just because, you know, on win losses, like, oh, you're not, it's not the same, even though it's still huge, it's not the same. So it almost feels like they're trying to, fluff up Connor with with a little bit of a power play going into this fight week and that and, and that the uncertainty around it almost makes it bigger because we've known for so long what the fight is gonna be you know actually so I didn't watch a lot of the ultimate fighter uh I don't know how much you guys watched it I watched like the first like two Hoopla episodes and I gave up on it. yeah so I, I watched like two episodes and I gave up on it but one of the funny things that I did hear uh Connor says when he was like talking to Chandler and he was like uh connor is like he's like let's do this is when we didn't know like the weight class or anything he's like connor's like let's do it at 185 and Chandler's like you want to do it at 185 i'll do it at 185 he was like he's like that's what i thought like he's like that's what i thought like you'll do what you're told like i was like mm, that's a pretty good chirp because like you definitely have that on him like he's been waiting around for like two years to fight you um i would love to know what's going on behind the scenes right now from the people that i've talked to like just like part of his camp used to be part of his camp I, they had like some issues with the leg healing and like it, the, the bones fusing together and, and stuff like that. Um, after the injury, the injury was pretty bad. So from the people that I've talked to, like in that space, it wasn't like the healing process wasn't good at all. And that's why it's been so long. Um, I just, I knowing that in the past, I would love to know what the delay is still. Cause he's training hard, like he's sparring hard. So I'm assuming that the leg is fine, but what else is holding it up? Why has that's it been announced for you? That's 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 why maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hack guy over yeah. here. That's why I think they're waiting because Conor McGregor main event UFC 300. That's always going to make sense. And one last thing before you get out of here, Eric, I think that the Chandler fight makes the most sense because we all in this room would agree the UFC wants Conor McGregor to win, so he keeps fighting. They don't just want to come back and lose to Charles Oliver or lose to Dustin Poirier or get his ass kicked versus Justin Gaethje. So. That's why the Chandler fight makes the most sense, right? Because he can actually beat that guy. Right. Yeah. He Connor has made his career. He used to say it all the time. He made his career off of beating stocky wrestlers um, that like to bang a little bit. Like he made his career off that. He beat the brakes off Eddie Alvarez. You ever watch that? You know Eddie Alvarez, Michael Chandler fights. They're they're interesting, but oh, you know you so watch good. it, and you see what Connor did. I know, right? Um, you see the you see what Connor did to Eddie. It's like, well, you know, ideally, best case scenario is you see that again, right? Connor does what he did to Eddie, does it to Chandler, and then from there he moves on. I guarantee you, he fights Chandler. He's if he beats Chandler, if he beats the brakes off of Chandler, you're gonna get him in, against Islam in July. Let's and there's go. like guaranteed, guaranteed. If you listen to anything that Dana said, he's even been flirting with it, just saying screw Chandler and just give him Islam. Anyway, this is also the same promoter who cares less now than he did then. Same promoter who gave uh, Chael Sonnen John Jones at light heavyweight. Chael Sonnen had no business fighting John. Um, it, you know that again. Chael talked himself into it. Connor could easily do that. Uh, it'll just be a walking advertisement the whole time. Connor will just push his uh, his you know eight, nine, ten companies. The entire time, he'll, he's basically his own promoter at this point with all the sponsorship that he does. That's what Ultimate Fighter was, right? It was just, you know, promos, promos, promos. So, yeah, I would uh, I would say, you know, beat Chandler and then you move from there. The crazy thing is because it's Conor McGregor, people will still bet on him. Islam yeah. would destroy him. It'd be done in one. But people would still yeah. bet on Conor McGregor. 
Always great stuff. That is Eric Richter, our betting analyst from the New York Post here on Tapped Out. Thanks so much, my guy. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, guys. Appreciate you. Step into the cage with Brendan Tobin in Are You Gonna Fight Me? I'm gonna fight your ass. Here on Tapped Out. That's right, fight me like a man. Only on the BetQL Network. You know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back up my command and break. Now go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. And welcome back into Tapped Out. We appreciate you checking us out. However you got us with Brendan Tobin, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Friends turn enemies in a segment called You're Gonna Fight Me. BT Fury and Usyk step in the boxing ring in several months. We're still a couple of months away from that fight. I think right now it's a 50-50 proposition. It's exactly an even fight. You gonna fight me on that? I'm not going to fight you. I mean, there's certainly you got to wonder how Tyson Fury is going to handle uh, what the fallout is from the Francis and Gano fight. I mean, look, he was hurt enough that it was put off. The thing that was crazy about it is he had the Francis fight and then he was supposed to fight Usyk mere weeks later and they had to put it off until at least February. So certainly have to be concerned about the damage that he took in that fight against Francis Ngannou. It was a big shot. Um I do think that Usyk's got some weaknesses that that Fury can expose. He's certainly not obviously the power threat that a uh, that a Francis Ngannou is, and I still think skill for skill he is. Uh, if he trains, Tyson Fury is the better boxer, the more well-rounded boxer. But you do have to worry about like where his head's at. He's obviously talked about mental health in the past. I mean, how does he handle all of the fallout from this? So I think there's there's intangible stuff around the fight that I think make it more even than maybe it was before the Nganu fight. If Usyk beats him, and for the record, I think he's going to, if Usyk beats him, then is that it as far as the prime career of Tyson Fury? It depends. I mean, like, it depends what is left for him to do. He has made a heap of money in his career. Um, he, But it, I, I don't know if you're a big fan. I like the, uh, the show that is on Netflix of following the Furies. Not a guy that deals with retirement well. I mean, he's been very open about it. He does not exactly like the domesticated life. You know, he, he doesn't, you know, he's still a very young man, even though he may look like a 46 because of his face. This is one of the younger heavyweights out there. So he'd have plenty of prime left. There's still plenty of big fights, especially him against Anthony Joshua. Um, that would be a monster. So there's still plenty of money for him to make. I guess it's just a question of what does he want to do? Um, and of course, he's got the Ngannou rematch too that everybody's going to want to uh, to probably see. So, even if he loses to Usyk, he'd have to get obliterated by Usyk, I think, for it to be like you have to hang it up. Thirty-five years old, you don't say. I would have told you that he was pushing forty. Th- just just turned thirty-five years old, Tyson Fury. How about that? All right, let's keep talking boxing, bare knuckle style. Mike Perry, Eddie Alvarez. That was a fun fight to watch. It ended up stoppage. Mike Perry got the win in the second round. 
you're going to fight me if I say there's never been a more perfect guy for a perfect sport. Like, that guy is the face of bare-knuckle fighting. And yes, that's, he's found his lane. He's definitely found his lane. Uh, he seems like, you know, the perfect guy for BKFC the, to be their poster guy. Um, the only guy you could really say has been as successful as him in the squared circle is probably Luis Baboon Palomino. But certainly, as Luis will tell you, he has not been as successful outside with the payments because he hasn't gotten the big fights. Um I don't know if he will ever get the chance to fight Mike Perry because it feels like they'll probably just keep going in UFC, old UFC guy crossovers. I'm not even saying it's the wrong way to go. But he, you know, he's a crazy character. He's perfect for the sport. He's got the right aggression to deal with, you know, the spacing of it, uh, the distance of it. He's just made for it. It's really cool to see his resurgence that he's had. He is really good, too. Like, not only is he fun to watch and he's winning these fights and he's their current champion, but he's... Bare knuckle boxing is is made for Mike Perry. Uh, John Jones tweeted earlier this week something to the extent of that others want his title defense stripped. You heard Tom Aspinall being one of those others that brought it up a couple of weeks ago. You're gonna fight me if I say I don't think Aspinall should have apologized. I think Aspinall's right. I do think John Jones should give up your title, and if you come back, then you fight for your title immediately. What's the big deal? You're gonna fight me? I. I, I first of all, I don't know if he really apologized. I didn't know if he was being genuine or snarky. It's kind of hard to read. Was he being on... a smartass? I thought that. I thought I don't he know. Was being, you know what, John? I thought. He was I think he was being genuine. I yeah, think he too. was being genuine, but I'm not positive that he was. But I talked about this last week with you when we talked about the Aspinall thing. Like, I don't understand Aspinall's lane of wanting John Jones to drop the belt, other than maybe he's just trying to aggravate him, which very clearly he did. Um, but I don't, I didn't really see the point of him. If he legitimately wants that, I think it's stupid. Um, but if he is just doing that to promote a John Jones fight, then, then that's good on him. I'm not sure what his genuine feelings of that are. We'd have to, we'd have to speak to him about that to know what it is. But if he's just doing it to poke the bear, then it was obviously a smart move because it worked. But I don't, I don't think Aspidal needs to have John Jones drop the title. I don't think John, John has to drop the title. Um, I think it's a big fight either way. And I think Tom Aspinall, whether he's the interim champ or the champ that got the belt undisputed because John dropped it, he's going to be looked upon as the same at the same spot. I don't think it moves him up one way or another, unless it's like a contract clause for him, like as far as like pay-per-view points are concerned. So recently, Yuri Prohoshka was the champ. He dropped the belt. Same thing with Jamal Hill. Do we cut John Jones slack? Are we harsher on John Jones? What I'm asking do we handle it different because it's John Jones? Because for all we know, he never fights again. For all we know, he takes two years off and then he comes back. Or do we say, look, he's the greatest of all time. He's the current heavyweight champion of the world. So he's the guy. He gets to keep the belt. Like, for me, it doesn't matter so much what your name is. It just matters if you're holding up the division. And that's my fear is that we're going to be having the same conversation a year from now. I definitely think that he's owed a little bit more latitude because of his status and what he's done for the sport. Um, although he hasn't been the most reliable uh, of fighters, right. this is not his fault. Like if you, if we were saying, Hey, John Jones got arrested. John Jones uh, did something else outside the cage. Does he deserve to lose his belt? Uh, that's a different conversation. John Jones getting hurt and he's not going to, and he's going to be back within the year. Good point. I think that's, oh, that's always kind of been, the model that I remember, you know, like watching UFC coming up, like if you're out a year, they usually make you drop the belt. If you're not, if you're going to be back within the year, then we need you. Then, then you get to keep your belt somewhere along the way. Interim got very murky. I don't want to have that same debate because we've done that a gazillion times, but somewhere along the way, the UFC just said, we don't care if uh, you think it's right to put up an interim belt. We just want a belt on the line for all of our pay-per-views. So they just started making a ton of interim fights. Like, remember the weird one where it was like Colby Covington fought for the interim title and Ty Tyron Woodley was going to be able to fight in like a month? And they were like, nah, it doesn't matter, interim title. I'm like, wait, why? Like, why? None. Of, it never made sense, but they were just like, well, he's injured. We'll do an interim title, even though he'll be ready in a month to fight. I think it was uh, Darren Till at the time or something like that. It made no sense. Somewhere along the way, the UFC changed their rules on it. Um, but if anybody deserves a grace period for injury, a guy who doesn't get injured a lot, it's John. Absolutely. Speaking of injuries, by the way, BT training footage of Conor McGregor has surfaced. 
I'm starting to think that he's your main event of UFC 300. That's what they're doing. Just kind of slow rolling this thing. He looks pretty good. I don't know if he's 100% healthy, but we're talking about five, six months from now. You're going to fight me if I say most likely, half most likely of the main event of UFC 300 involves Conor McGregor. Uh, yeah, hard to fight you on that. I mean, the only thing is, you know, no, the only thing that seemed to be the hiccup in all this was uh, the whole USADA thing. That's obviously by the wayside and past us. I guess the only thing we need to know now is just how healthy is John to fight, but he seems like he's been eager to get in there. If it wasn't maybe for this USADA thing, maybe he would have been in there quicker. And this, you know, that sounds about right. Like he, you know, from all the timetables and all the talks that we've had throughout all of this, coming back around April of next year, you know, it seems to line up pretty good for him. And he's obviously the guy you would want for a, a milestone like that. Have you heard about the rumors of the opponent change? The whole Michael Chandler thing, even though they were on tough, it never felt like it was a hundred percent that it was going to happen. The rumor now is Charles Oliveira. What do you think about that? Don't love it. I mean, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, he's for, for what, you know, like Charles Oliveira and him don't really have any beef other than, you know, what his history with Brazil. I, I think the Michael Chandler fight uh, makes a whole lot more sense to me. Uh, I think, honestly, if you're going to have him fight Charles Oliveira, like at that point, you know, you might as well just have him fight for the belt. Like, why don't you just have him fight Islam at that point? You know, if you're going to have him uh, come back, might as well, if he's going to fight you know, somebody as good as, as Charles Oliveira, you might as well just go all the way in and have him fight Islam. That's just it. The promotion definitely wants him to come back and at least have a chance to win. So Michael Chandler makes a lot more sense. Charles Oliveira would eat that guy alive at this point in both their respective careers. All right, Miami Dolphins, your current number one seed in the AFC. You're going to fight me if I say at the end of the season, the Chiefs are still going to be the number one seed. Come on, bro. I mean, of course I'm going to fight you, dude. First of all, look, I, I, your schedule's not tough the rest of the way. It's no. pretty easy. I was I was going Very. over this. We were going over everybody's final five, and I would say the Chiefs have one of the easier schedules uh, to, to finish things off uh, outside of, if you want to even call this week against Buffalo tough, uh, probably could put up the best fight out of anybody left that the Chiefs are taking on. Uh, you do have the win over Miami, so that'll give you, a, that'll give you an inside lane. But, man, your offense lately, dude, woof. I mean, it has been it's been, uh, it's been, been tough sledding. And now for Miami, they got a couple cupcakes, and then they get to – then it beefs up a little bit. They got Cowboys, Ravens on the road, and then the Bills to end things. Um, but, man, they are really good at home. I think two has only lost four times in his career at, the, at Hard Rock. He gets four in the last wow. five to end this thing at uh, in Miami. So – it's it's going to be a tight race between, I think, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Ravens. I honestly think that Ravens-Dolphins on the road for, uh, in Baltimore, excuse me, that's going to probably determine it. Tua, right now, no longer the favorite to be the MVP at BetMGM. You know who is? Wait for it. Brock Purdy is your current favorite it's to really... be the MVP. You're going to fight me if I say neither one of those guys winning. Well, I don't see. Here's the thing, man, with Tua, that's strange, and I I don't know what. Uh, I think it was like one of those bet online ones, so it's not like the most reputable one. I don't know what BetMGM has, but they had Tyreek Hill uh, with better odds to win the MVP than Tua, and it does feel what? like if the Dolphins win, yeah, he passed him. He was like Tua was plus a thousand, and Tyreek was plus nine hundred, and I was like, that was the first time that flipped on this year, and I was like, it does feel like if Tyreek gets that record that you know how these awards are like it's a very narrative based thing and it can really sway odds and so when i saw i was like oh man so tua unless tua goes out there basically and has a baller game without tyreek hill being amazing then it feels like he's not going to lead that race anymore so i thought that was really interesting that all of a sudden tyreek hill on some odds makers sites was now ahead of tua because he was like plus five thousand two weeks ago yeah, it's going to quarterback though. I mean, when's the last time a non-quarterback won that award? Was it all? Was it Adrian uh, Peterson like twenty years ago? It was Adrian. It was Adrian Peterson. Receivers never won it. Um, running backs have won it, you know, a handful of times. But yeah, and it, it's never gone to a wide receiver. But there's something. There is something about the way the media treats Tua, and the way 
you know, this is starting to shape up because Tyreek Hill has been so amazing. He has been amazing. Uh, and if he does chase down that record, I think there is a formula there. The only problem is I wish I would have bet it two weeks ago because now everybody seems to be kind of on that. How do you not give it to the quarterback, though, of the team? How could you break? You're breaking every code and you're going to give it to a wide receiver. Even if he breaks every record and does have 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns this year, I still think that Tua ends up, well, of those two guys with the award, and then you give the Offensive Player of the Year award to Tyree Kill. I can't even believe that he used to be on the Chiefs. How'd they, how did they ever lose a game with Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey? They should have put up 60 a game. All right, that's Brendan Tobin. I'm the Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Coming up next, we talk a little more fighting. We make a little more money right here on the BetQL Network. back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Wrapping things up and putting a bow on this edition of Tapped Out. See what I did there? Tis the season. Brendan Tobin, sports machine Sean Levine. We'll talk UFC Vegas 83 and UFC 296 here coming up in just a couple of minutes. But Brendan, did you see what Dana White announced might be going down on Super Bowl weekend? In a slap fighting contest, did you see the two guys that might be going head to head? I did. I was very excited about this uh, in the, earlier in the week uh, because I have not been excited by the in season tournament that the NBA is trying to get off the ground. But when I see two <laughs> legends that might get into a slap off, I'm all about it. I am all about so. Charles. Go ahead, tell them. Tell them who it is. I'm all about Charles Barkley versus Shaq in a slap off, dude. I, I can look. I I'm tuned into Power Slap. I've given it a chance. I've interviewed some Power Slappers, um, but it hasn't really drawn me in. I even tried watching the Road to the Power Slap Belt. I, I tried. I, I outside of watching it on you know Instagram Reels or TikTok, it nothing's really drawn me in as far as a consistent viewer. But if you get me Shaq versus Charles Barkley, Dana, I think I'm in. Me too. Are you more anti-slap, power slap, or more anti-play in NBA tournament? Because to me, I can't watch either one. Um, I think I'm more anti-in-season tournament. I don't really – the whole in-season tournament just – I don't – who cares? You know, like it doesn't matter. You know, these teams are going in there and they're going to play. Like NBA players already make insane money. I'm not against anybody making money, but like to Jimmy Butler makes over half a million dollars a game. Like a game. You know, oh, you're you're enticing Jimmy Butler with uh with 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 a half a million dollars. Yeah, I'm sure he'll see he'll see on the other side. He's not he's not concerned about it. And then people are like, well, what about all the two way guys? I'm like, name them. I can't name them. <laughs> I can name the guys on the Heat. I can't name you who the two way guys are on the Pacers. No. I don't think a lot of people can. Um, but let's say it goes down. Super Bowl weekend, power slap, Danny gets his way, Charles Barkley versus Shaquille O'Neal. It's been said that Barkley gets the first slap 
do you think that Shaq gets any more than one slap, or do you think one slap by Shaq knocks out any human on planet Earth? That's what I'm thinking. I'm very curious about the leverage on this. So in power slap, you have to stay there in front of your opponent. I don't know if you have to hunch, but I know like you grab something like behind you. So it's kind of like yeah. hands behind the back. You just have to take it. Um, so I don't know if like Shaq's going to be hunched down a little and it should be a little bit more of an even plane for Chuck to like get the torque on there. But I am a little worried. Like you have to land it without like, you know, getting your, your shoulder popping out. Chuck does have to worry about that, of course. But I feel like Shaq could take a shot. I don't know. I, he's a behemoth, dude. I know Charles Barkley is not small, but he ain't Shaq. No, there's a 0% chance that Charles Barkley knocks out Shaq. I'm putting it at like 77% that one slap from Shaquille O'Neal puts Charles Barkley on his back to sleep. Speaking of going to sleep coming up on Saturday night, I think I know who wins the Song Yudong Chris Gutierrez fight. I think Song wins. I think it's done in one, and I think he knocks him out, and Bet MGM agrees with me. Yudong is a huge favorite at minus 350. Gutierrez, the underdog, at plus 260. You agree this is Yudong's fight that night? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, we, but we, you know, we've talked about with this, you know, it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a really impressive division. Song has, you know, been in there with uh, some really tough guys as well. Not a lot of guys. It's, it, you know, for him to get this kind of a matchup too. Um, interesting, but I think he should get the finish. I'm definitely, I don't know, there's not much money in it. I'll see what the props are, you know, winning it inside the distance. Once we get close to the week, I think right now, you know, if I, you know, method, if I could get something for him by knockout, I'd probably go with that uh, for the night. But, you know, I'm not breaking rocket science here. I think Yadong should get it done. Speaking of favorites that I think are going to win by knockout coming up on Saturday night, Khalil Roundtree, the co-main event, minus 250 versus Anthony Smith. Look, obviously, Lionheart, always a live wire, the underdog at plus 190. I think Khalil Roundtree knocks him out, and I'll say it happens in the second round. Man, I don't know, man. It's a tough one. Lionheart's so he's he's such a he's such a tough sob, you know. Like, and he never quite. I, I just think he's always game. For me, he's one of these vets. It kind of goes into like the likes of uh, we always talk about this with like Derek Lewis, where it's like, I don't know if I'm gonna pass up the value on him on that night. You know, I like oh. Khalil Rowtree. Don't get me wrong. He's been on a he's been on a tear. He's been he's been whooping ass and good for him. Um, but it's just something about a guy. You've been in the uh you've been in there with everybody, you've been to the highest of highs. Uh I also like a Lionheart very much. You know, he's a he's one of the more charming guests we had. We had him on probably one of our longer interviews. We talked to that guy for like a good 22 minutes or something like that. Um, very open, very honest. So he's a hard guy not to root for. Uh, and I, and, you know, I'm not a heart insurance guy like you are, dude. So I think I'm going to go with Lionheart this night. I think he gets it done against Khalil Roundtree. All right. You want me to pick an underdog? I got two of them for you on this card. I like Andre Muniz over Jun Young Park. And I also like Jamie Malarkey over Nasrat Hakparast. If you're going to bet one of those underdogs, which one are you taking? <sighs> oh, man. Or you can parlay them both for the plus 350. I'm going to go with Malarkey. All right. Malarkey over Nasrat. Hawk for us. Write that one down. And now that you like him, probably going to lose. Let's finish off today's <laughs> show talking about UFC 296. The main event, we had Eric Richter on the show earlier today. He's all about Colby. I'm all about Colby. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you're going to end up putting your money on Colby that night. What say you? Very torn on this fight, man, to be honest with you. Um... I get the reasons why people like Colby Covington. Um, I I think this is one of those where I almost feel like we're underrating Leon a little bit too much. You know, I think people want to see one more from Leon. I think people go, okay, he kicked Usman in the head. Maybe it was luck. Maybe it was you know perfect timing. I want to see it again. He did it again. I think there's a lot of people like me though, BT, that go one more time, do it one more time, and then I'll start to put my money on you and I'll shut up. But I don't think he's gonna do it. I think he's going to lose. Well, look, the thing with Colby is he's just a much different challenge than as as even as the fights were between him and Usman. They're very different fighters. It's just that they're both really great grapplers. So their fights have turned into slugfests. And I think with Colby, you see him against these strikers. Like I have never seen 
Robbie Lawler look like deer in headlights against anybody. Like I saw him against Colby Covington. And this is like the most vicious man, my favorite fighter, basically in the octagon. I love Robbie Lawler, right? And watching him versus Colby, you're just like, you could tell there was a part of him that's just like, I don't want to get stopped by Colby. And nobody really gets stopped by Colby. Like Colby's, a, he always, it always goes to the cards. Not a lot of, you know, you'll see some heavy odds on him for inside the distance next week when they put up the method odds on it. But there's just something about strikers when they go against him. It's an uncomfortability because he will wear your butt out, picking you up, putting you down, making you be on your feet. Your legs are tired. You're heavy. You're heavy. And he is not even breathing hard because he is insane cardio and he's peppering you with little shots. None of them will feel like they knock you out, but you never know the one that might drop you. And then all of a sudden you're a little bit wary about getting back to your feet with the guys. So now you're trying to fight, you know, then you're on your back for a little bit. You, you, you take a, take a knee on a round. So I think Leon does have to hit him with something of impact early. I think that you need to make Colby very wary of coming inside on you and letting him get his hands on you. Um, and, and I think it, you know, that's an interesting place to be for Leon because, you know, Leon does like to play the distance game. I agree with people who say he's an underrated grappler. This isn't really a grappling thing for me. We have seen, even in the last fight with Usman, he has been put down on the on the mat. He has been taken down. At one point, he's grabbing the cage so he doesn't get taken down. And Colby, like, there's just a speed element to his game. He's not going to let you do that. Like, he's not going to let you just all right, we're going to be in this position, do what you can. No, he'll be fine. Okay, you're going to pop back up. I'll put you back down, and then I'll pop up, and I'll put you back down, and then I'll pop up. So that's the thing that's exhausting with taking on Colby Covington. You know, but, you know, Leon, look, man, I think that he's been written off, and, you know, when you pull off the impossible like he did, it's also hard to kind of write you off and just say, nah. Colby, this is going to be his kryptonite to it. So it's a hard fight to pick, man. I get why you want want Colby because of the value, but there's a uh, it, it's a it's a tough one to call. Oh, I've been on Colby. I think every fight in the few years we've been doing this show, even his losses against Usman, I was on Colby's side. He might not knock you out, but he will definitely leave you in a pool of your own blood. Just ask uh, Rafael dos Anjos or Damian Maya. Colby is a very good, very violent fighter all right before we get out of here you want to talk about a style of clashes or clashes of styles there we go Shavkat Rachmanov heavy favorite against Steven Wonderboy Thompson I know you picked last year that at some point Wonderboy was going to be the champion again is it worth playing him at my is plus 400 enough on fight night what if he's plus 600 how big does that number have to get before you put your actual hard-earned money I know you love Wonderboy but come on, dude. He I has do. no chance of winning this fight. No chance. It look, it's a t I, I honestly think it's crazy he's taking the fight. I think that just shows to what a what a gangster he is. That he's just like, all right, most dangerous guy that nobody knows in the uh in the world, Shavkat Rachmanov. Like, I will say this, Sean, tell me you agree with this. Before I have to, you know, man up and answer your question. If he does win. Automatic bid to the title, yeah. Like he should skip Bilal, right? Like you're with me that even Bilal deserving a hundred wins in a row. If this dude goes out there and he wheel kicks Rachmanov, automatic bid. It's like you just hit community place, you grab the bonus five hundred dollars. Like if he does do it, he deserves to fight for the championship. I don't care who has the belt. I don't care who the champion is. If Wonderboy pulls this off, he deserves a title fight before year's end. I'm a million percent fine with that. I mean, the promotion has no problem jumping over Bilal Muhammad and saying, sorry, dude, we're going to screw you again. So they would absolutely do that. Wonderboy's been in the game for so long. He's such a big underdog. He didn't fight his last fight because the other guy missed weight. Absolutely, that would happen. I hate to break it to you. It ain't going to happen. Wonderboy done and won. It's going to get ugly, dude. Will you tell, hey, if he joins us next week, are you going to tell him that? No, no, no. No, I'm going to tell him I like his chances of winning the nice. fight. Come on, man. Come on. He's he's such a nice guy. There's no way I'm coming on going, Wonderboy, you're about to get your ass kicked. Although he's very candid with us when he joined us last time. Like, he's he's a very honest and open guy. He's a fun interview. Can you he's get awesome. him on? No. 
I think we will get him on next week, actually. Okay. <laughs> I think we are going to All right. That's what I'm talking and about. La- but then the last time, and then what sucks for us is the last time we had him on, we interviewed him the next day, fights off. So, I remember. you know, that we had him before all the weight class thing and everything happened. So hopefully we actually get to interview him and then he actually gets to fight this time around. But no, dude, this is a crazy fight. Shock, Shavkat, is, I love Shavkat too. Like this is another, you know, you know, I think he's kind of like the hipsters, uh, you know, monster, you know, like nobody talks about Shavkat the way they do with Hamza, you know, like Hamza, you know, Hamza got all this buzz. And I feel like Shavkat, you make fun of his hat. I think this guy's amazing and nobody talks about him. He is such a killer. I just hate to see him do it to my boy, uh, Steven Thompson. I get it. I love this whole card, actually. I love the Leon Colby fight. Feel very strongly about Colby. Pantoja versus Roy Vall should be a fun one. Shavkat, Wonderboy, Patty Pimblett, Tony Ferguson. Who's not watching that? And then you got E. Machado Gary opening the main card versus Vicente Luque. Of course, we'll break it all down from every angle, tell you who's going to win the fights, how they're going to win, what round. But that's coming up next week. For Brendan Tobin and Jake Nowaker. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine, and we'll catch you next week, and we'll break down the whole car and make some money, like always, right here on Tapped Out. Good night.